If you go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, if you remember and you have been with us uh, in the last study, in chapter 3, we saw Paul really just emphasizing in chapter 2 and chapter 3 how God has taken his people there in Corinth, or you and I here as today, and has done us a work in your life based on your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, and has made you a fragrance, and also an epistle or story, a letter that people can read that comes from your life of what Jesus has done in your life when you became born again. And we remember, if you, we talked about how before we came to Christ, we had a fragrance. It just stunk. It was rotted flesh on its way to hell to burn for eternity. But on its way there on that path, God got a hold of us. We heard his voice and we received what he had for us, saying that he has died for our sins. And if you will just believe in me and follow me, I will give you life. Because of his ministry of grace. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. You can't do anything for it. It is a free gift. It's a gift of, of grace. It's a ministry of grace. And if you would just believe by faith, you can be saved and have eternal life. That is amazing. And as you see here in chapter 3, he talks about even in verse, oh, let's say verse 6 there. Uh, in verse 3, he talks about clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. He changed our heart. There was a regeneration, a changed man, a changed woman. But then he continues in verse 7. He sees there and we see that ministry. He talks about the ministry of death that, that we came from, that, that law, the old covenant. But in verse, uh, verse 8, we see that we were now in the ministry of the Spirit. Verse 9, we were in the ministry of condemnation by that law, being condemned for the, the, the sins in our life. And it just pointed out how bad and how wicked we are. But then God brought us into the ministry of righteousness, of grace. And because of that change, verse 18, he says, But we all, with unveiled face, we see the truth now. We see the grace of God. We see who Jesus Christ is in our life. Beholding as in a mirror, we see, we're just standing there looking no longer at ourselves. We're looking into the mirror of Jesus Christ. We want to see him. We want to keep our eyes on him. We want to see his face. And because that we have that desire and we are beholding of the mirror of the glory of the Lord in front of us, are being transformed into the same image of Jesus Christ from glory to glory, to glory, to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
don't want to look at the old self anymore, do we? We don't want the old life anymore. We want to continue to walk away from that old self, the old, that, that man, that woman in the mirror that you was like brought all of the, you just knew who you were in the inner man, the inner woman. You knew who you were. And people may not have known who you were. But God knew who you were. <laughs> God knows all things. But then he transformed you, changed your life. And Paul says, we celebrate that. We, we acknowledge it. We recognize that we're changed people. And we're being transformed moment by moment by his glory, by his grace, by his mercy. Now, as we start chapter 4 here, Paul continues. And he starts off by saying, therefore, since we have this ministry. What ministry? That ministry of grace that has brought life into you. That ministry that brings uh, salvation to one's life. That ministry that brings righteousness and a transformed life. That ministry is what he's talking for about. So therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. <laughs> if you know Paul's life, he has every reason to lose heart. If he was relying upon his own strength and relying upon what he believes and what he wants to control and where he wants to go and what to do with his own life, he has everything in his mind to lose heart or to lose this, this sense of, of emptiness because there was so much that took place in his life while he was in the ministry. But if you take a look here, he says, because we received this mercy of grace, this ministry of grace, I am not going to quit. I'm not going to lose heart. Regardless of what happens around me or to me personally. Because he says, we have received mercy. We have been mercied. Did you know that you've been mercied? You're sitting here walking in this life and God comes and touches your life and he gives you mercy and he gives you what you don't deserve, what I don't deserve. As we studied in the men's uh, study yesterday, the men's breakfast, Jesus went to the cross. God placed the sins of the word, world on him and he did not deserve it. But he didn't complain. He didn't say, get it off of me. I don't want it. He, he says, I will, by Showing mercy to the people I love, I will take that sin for me, for them. You've been mercied. Because you and I know, both know, we should have been the one that dies for our sin. But he showed mercy. You've been mercied. And he took the penalty for your sin, for those who believe. Now it's interesting. Paul... We also see it in verse 16 where he will emphasize again, we do not lose heart. And he emphasizes his ministry here in verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth condemning ourselves 
commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he starts right off in the very beginning. He says, we've been showed mercy. We have been received this ministry of grace. We have been given this ministry to go out and touch the lives of other people. And because of that, I am not doing what you've all been accusing me here in Corinth. These Judaizers, these believers who wanted to hold on to the law, and they were called Judaizers, to say you must have faith in Jesus Christ and follow the rituals. You must be circumcised. You have to believe in Jesus Christ, be circumcised. You have to be, you believe in Jesus Christ and you have to follow the dietary requirements. You, you need to follow Jesus, but you have to t- take and do all these, these different rituals, these re- religious historical things that we've done in the past in the, in the Jewish faith. And that is, that is, that's legalism. Anyone who says you have to have faith in Jesus Christ and you ought to, you're talking to a legalizer. Someone who wants to bring you under the law. And Paul is saying here, you're accusing me of all these things of, 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 of what I'm teaching, but I'm telling you, I didn't come here. I have no hidden agendas. I have not been dishonest in any of my ministry whatsoever. There's no shame for me. I know that I'm teaching rightly according to what God has asked me to do. I boldly told you the truth. I'm sitting here. I'm not walking with craftiness like some of you are doing. You're taking the word of God and you're just kind of saying, yes, you, know, you need to know Jesus. You need to have that personal relationship. But, and, and then you use scripture, a little scripture here, a little scripture there. It's like a little salt here, a little pepper here. And somehow you're going to create something, that message on that day. Even though the message, the verses you're using, don't even fall in line with the context of what you're trying to say. And it was happening even back then, and unfortunately it happens in many churches today. They'll take a scripture here and a scripture there, and and you'll take it completely out of context, and change it and turn it in a way to get a message out they want to get to you. To manipulate the people to do what they want you to do. And so Paul says, I didn't come here and teach you or walk with you and be here with you in any craftiness or handling the word with deceitfully. But he came to manifest, to plainly speak, to plainly reveal the truth to the people. In a very simple, straightforward, simply teaching the word simply. So that the truth would come out, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, to, to, bring to, to touch the conscience of every person. We just plainly spoke so that the people of the, of the community could just hear the truth and to receive that truth and make a decision. Do they want to have a personal relationship with Jesus or they don't? But it's their choice. But Paul says, I didn't come here to try to manipulate you to do it. I didn't come here to try to get money from you and manipulate and pass the, anything two or three times just because, you know, we have to get the money. He didn't come here and teach and stuff so that he can somehow be able to get his book written or his name in lights. 
He said, I just simply have come with no hidden agendas to teach you the word, to teach you the truth of God that has been given to me, and I just want you to know it with no hidden agendas, no deceitfulness, straightforward. No, you know, sometimes you can get to a point where you're so much challenged sometimes because you're more interested in the numbers of people coming to listen to you than getting the actual truth out to you. And it's really saddening to me as I watch around the, the church world how people will do whatever and say or restrict what they say, never talking about hell, never talking about um, sin, never talking about the consequences of sin or, the, or addressing anything, just keep it really nice and light and fluffy in about 15 minutes and that's about it because people can't handle the word of God more than 10 to 15 minutes. That's what the culture's going to, my people. But that's not what we do. We, run it, we want the full counsel of God for the whole counsel of God. That's why we're looking and making steps to take where we start in the Old Testament and a midweek service starting in the new year. Because ultimately, we're going to go through all the books, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Because we want you to have the whole counsel of God. Because we want you to apply it to your life so you know the truth. So that you can go out and share that with those in your neighbors and your family. So that they too will hear the plain truth of what God's word says. So that they'll be transformed lives. That people will be no longer on the path of going to hell. But will get on the path of going to heaven and following Jesus. So that they can make a right decision and a choice. Because right now they don't even know they're lost. They don't even know they don't have a life. They don't even know that they're, they just know they're hurting and they're, and they're empty. And they have no why they're confused. And they just, all they know is this world seems to have a really big grip on them. And they're always asking themselves, what is the answer? I, there's got to be more to life than what I'm dealing with here. There is! And we have it. So we need to go out and share it. That's what Paul's saying. I didn't come here with, to manipulate deceitfulness or anything. I just want to touch the conscience of every man of who Jesus Christ is. That was, all his, that was his mission. That was his agenda. That was, that was it. There was nothing else to it. In verse 3, but even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. So Paul says, I'm coming out. I'm just sharing the good news. I'm just sharing the truth of God. But even if the gospel is veiled, as we learn in chapter 3, even though those who are perishing, that have their, their, the, the, the veil is over their eyes, they're blinded, they don't see why they are lost. They don't see that they're going to hell. They don't see the fact that they are wandering in the wilderness with no purpose in life. They're veiled. They're, just, they're blind to it. We used to be blind to that. Do you remember that? You remember how blind we were until God opened our eyes to the gospel and we came and we now can see? With that passion, like Paul, he's saying that passion drives me not to lose heart, to continue to go out and share this good news. Why? In verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. 
who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the, in, the image of God, should shine on them. We were all blinded at one point. We all had a veil over our face. We did not see the truth of God. We didn't we care less about the things of God. But all of a sudden, why is it that you can talk to some people and they just will not receive the truth? They don't want it, that relationship with Jesus. They don't, they don't hear it. They don't understand it. And you keep sharing it with them. And it's the reason right here in verse 4. Because their minds, their eyes have been blinded by the God of this age, which is the devil. The, the prince of this age. It's, he is out there to blind you as a non-believer to hearing and to seeing the truth. So you as a believer, you're out there sharing the good news. You're sharing the truth. They see your life. They go, why are you acting so different? Well, I, I now have a relationship with Jesus Christ. My life, my life has been transformed. I'm growing and maturing in my faith and understanding of who Jesus is. And I'm following him. Let me share you who Jesus is. And they're like, they're just blinded. Because the devil and, the, and, his, and his, uh, his workmen, the the. the Demons are keeping people in darkness. They want to keep that veil of darkness over their eyes. They don't want them to see the truth. The question then is for you and I, how do you overcome the demonic forces that want to keep people in darkness? One way. By first praying for God to bring the the devil or bring the, the darkness, bring that under control and bring and remove them so that the veil can be lifted by you sharing the truth of the gospel so that it will bring light or is it in verse four shown or sh shine in their life. Because the image of God is Jesus Christ. And to share anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ, you're not shining the light into those people's lives. You've heard me say it all the time. Don't have a, a, oh, I want to talk to you about God. Do you like God? you want to have a relationship with God? And you can use, because there's a lot of gods in this world today. That's why religion is probably one of the top reasons why people don't come to a relationship with Jesus Christ because the, the, the religion becomes that veil that keeps you from actually having a personal relationship because you're so busy chasing rituals and other things, of the, other things that this religion or all kinds of religions are keeping you busy with. You must work your way to heaven. That's religion. You must pray 10 hours a day on your knees until they're bloody and then walk on your bloody knees for two miles to, then, to some Mecca. No. It's a belief. Faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And your decision and choice to follow him and to know him on a personal level. That is how you're saved from your sins and have eternal life. There is no other way. But that, that veil of religion or veil of, of worldliness, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, will keep you veiled from seeing who Jesus Christ is. 
So we don't talk God in a broad perspective. We go right to the person of who Jesus Christ is. Who do you say Jesus Christ is? Do you know him personally? Or do you just know of him? Which is the God of this age. He just wants you to know of Jesus and get you comfortable to know just of him. Because the devil knows of Jesus, but does he have a personal relationship with Jesus? Absolutely not. So Paul is saying, we're just out here, me and the guys are out here just sharing the truth, doing it in love, sacrificing for you so that you will know the truth so you can come and you will no longer have your minds be so clouded and so blinded in non-belief and let the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who Jesus Christ, become shine into your life so you can make a choice if you want him in your life or not. Verse 5, For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Powerful verse right here. Because Paul's sitting here, when I, we do go out, we don't go out preaching Paul's ministry. Paul's great evangelistic tent is to the right and down and to the left. Take a couple of miles, come to the tent and see Paul and his great ways, how he evangelizes. Go to the website of Paul the ministry. Go to, the, go to the Instagram and use the hashtag for Paul the minister. It is not about him, he says. It cannot be about the, the vessel that God is using to communicate the truth. It always must be about Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying. I didn't preach ourselves. I didn't sit there and say, you've got to come see me. You've got to hear me and only follow me and you, if you buy my books and buy my this and buy. No. That's not the way it's supposed to be. But that's what the Judaizers were doing. They were saying to the people, you, yeah, you need Jesus Christ, but you need to come to me as your religious leader for you to do anything else or to get anything else. Or you must come and confess with, to me your sins. All of these things of the law are being brought back into their lives. That is not what Paul is very clear. We did not preach ourselves, but Jesus, for Christ Jesus the Lord. That is it. That is it. Why? Because there's power in Jesus' name. Not in Paul's name. Transformation of one's life comes with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not with a personal relationship with Paul. Or any person you seem to listen to all the time on the internet. The relationship must, like worship, just like teaching, must draw you and I to our deeper relationship with Jesus. And if it does not do that, then that is not where you should be listening. Because we want to be transformed by the reading and the teaching, the preaching of the word of God. Amen? And Paul understood that because the light comes by the gospel, the truth, the ministry of grace. Why? Why? Because he says there at the end of verse 5, 
We are bond servants for Jesus' sake. Why do we do this? Because we're just slaves. We're, yes, yes, you can look and see Paul, and you can see them, and that is religious leaders, that they started the church, they were leading people to Christ, they were baptizing, they were doing, starting churches all over Asia. And it's, and you have a tendency to look toward those men and really put them on a pedestal. And Paul said, no, 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 don't put me on a pedestal here. Because I didn't preach me. I preached Jesus only. And it's because we are bond servants. There's a difference between a servant and a bond servant. In the beginning, you became a servant, a slave to an owner, because you owed him money. You owed it and you had to work for him. But after a period of time, that seven years, you then made a decision to be a bond servant. And that is, you freely wanted to serve and to work for that master. So Paul is saying, we are volunteers. We freely are slaves to Jesus Christ to do whatever he wants us to do. We're bond servants. And that is great joy and great peace when you're in and just being in the will of God and doing what he's called you to do. People say, how can you keep doing what you're doing? Why are you doing? Why do you seem like you're sacrificing? Why do you go and do the hours that you're doing? Why are you inconvenienced? And why are you giving up your weekend? You'll hear it all the time. It's because when you're a bondservant of Jesus Christ, you just do faithfully what he asks you to do. And he gives you the abilities to do it by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we'll see Paul even emphasizing that here in verse 6. He says, for it, is the, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul pulls right in a really a nice tie here. He says, just like God has commanded light to shine into darkness, bringing you back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where God just spoke and he brought light into darkness of this world. There was void, there was nothing, and God spoke and there was light. But we do not see moon and sun until when? All, five days later. So, I don't know. God said, well, you know, I, I'm, 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 I've made myself present. There's light. I better bring a, a moon and a sun so people, when I create the people, they'll see this sun, right? They'll see light. But he brought light into void there was, where there was no light. Where there was empty, now there's a presence. So Paul is saying here, just like God commanded light to shine into this emptiness, this darkness, there's no light, there's no life, there's no nothing, who has shown into our hearts. He's now brought light into you and my heart where there was darkness, there was no light, there was no life. Paul is saying, God came in and brought his presence into your life. And now there is light. There are some people, and it could be you, who when you stared in your own eyes, all you saw is emptiness and darkness. And then you came into a personal relationship with Jesus, and you see something different in your life. And everyone around you sees a difference. They can't put their finger on it. 
but they know there's a change. And if, you know, if you're like a guy, you know, if you're a, you're a you're a son, mother's like, okay, is there a woman in his life? There's something going on with him. You know, there's got to be something on. Someone's in his life because he's doing he's acting differently, right? Right, ladies, you know, are your mothers are you tracking with me on that one? And they look and say, no, mom, I don't have a woman in my wife, my life. I've got Jesus Christ in my life now. That's the change that you see. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, daughter of mine, you seem different. Is there a guy that I'm not aware of? Of course not, Dad. I tell you everything. But I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I continue to dance with him until he t God says another guy can cut in. See, Paul understood that there was darkness in our lives prior to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And just like God spoke light into this world, God can bring light into your life. And it doesn't matter how dark that person is. One of the things being in the ministry for so long, I never say that person is so far gone, I don't believe he can be saved. Because I've seen people, ooh, pretty far gone, <laughs> and a radical change and get saved. And it's a beautiful thing. That's why we continue to pray, to ask God to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to remove the demonic forces trying to continue to keep the veil over their eyes and to push the enemy away for that we have that opportunity to speak truth and that God will then shine his light and they will receive him as their Lord and Savior. Because the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, don't teach, don't preach anything other than a personal relationship with Jesus. That he died for their sins. He was buried for three days. He rose from the dead and he lives to intercede for you. That's amazing. The God of the universe is personally involved with you and can't wait to see you in his presence when he calls you home. That is amazing. Verse 7. So Paul continues his, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So he says, all of this takes place. All of this, this is amazing to me, he says. He says, to the Corinthian believers he's writing to, he says, we're just treasure. This is the power, the gospel of Christ is being poured into earthen vessels, clay pots. That's all we are, we're clay pots, very simple vessels. God has decided to pour in this truth, this ministry into us, these clay pots, these, these earthen vessels to be used to pour out into the lives of people around us. Why would he choose you, clay pots, dirt, for the purpose of his ministry, to, to reach the loss? He could have used his angels, he could have created something completely different, who would have complete control without any, any uh, uh, free will whatsoever, and just said, here, robotically, you're going to go out and go do this work. 
But he chose you and I, earthen vessels, just clay pots, to do his work. He's going to pour it in. Yes, we're crackpots most of the time. But when you're crackpots, that's even more valuable. Why? Because you are so there's so much cracks and chips and all into your life that God can boldly work through all those cracks, all of those blemishes, all those things that are in your life, God uses for his ministry to reach the laws. Some people say, I'm not going to tell anyone about my drug problem in the past. Are you kidding me? You got to use it. That's the crack that God allowed to have, you know, brought you and is going to shine his light through that. Because it's going to reach someone who has a drug problem. Well, I'm not telling them anything about my pride issues. Well, that's because you've got pride still. You've got to work on that. But let God work through that crack and that chip. Because God's going to use that to reach those who have pride issues. I'm not telling anybody about the abuse that I went through in my family. And God says... That's exactly why I'm choosing you to do the work, because you are a weak vessel, chipped and holes, leaky, and you're going to touch the lives of other people who come from dysfunctional families. So God uses the weak to confound the wise. God's going to look at your life and say, how? Did that all happen in your life? How did he get there? How did you able to do that? How did you have a family that seems so solid? How did you? People are going to be watching you. And that, that vessel, this earthen vessel, your life, God is going to use his excellence of power, the power of the Holy Spirit. God himself is going to be working through you, and it is not going to be you that's going to do it. Paul is very clear. It's the excellence of the power, maybe, of God that's being shined through. That's the treasure, not of us. That's why when people get saved, well, I better get my life straight first. I better get things in order. I better know some, all of these reasons not to share the good news of what God just did in your life. And God says, no, 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 no. I want to use every flaw of yours. To reach the people out there who need to know that my grace that I poured out upon you, I've, I've, you've given you mercy, that I'm willing to show mercy to them as well. So go out and share the good news. And watch what I do through your life. Because it's my power. It's my ability. It's my way that touches the life of the person. Not you. You're just the vessel that I want to use, if you're willing. Back in these days, the ancient days, they had all kinds of vessels. They made these vessels. Some were made for cleanly things, and some vessels were made for dirty things. Some was like a little spittoon you know, vessel, and some were vessels that were used to drink for water. Now, the taste could vary on that vessel. So you didn't want to drink out of a nasty vessel because you would get the taste of what was in that vessel. 
I don't know about you, but I do not like drinking water that comes from plastic. Just plain plastic, you know, the, that recycled plastic, you know what I'm saying? Because you get the taste of what? The plastic. So many, I, I don't like that taste. So we want to be a, you want to drink from a vessel that has a taste and a good fragrance that's drinkable. So Paul says, I'm just giving you the pure truth. The pure word of the water, the, the word of God, the water of God that just pours out and refreshes people's lives. I don't taint it with a vessel that is not used by God. I just use the vessel that God says to use and let him use it. So it's not tainted in any way. It's just pure, refreshing, living water that you give out. Not, not some of the junk that's going on these days. Some of the preaching that's going on these days is not based on the word of God. It's, it's based on psychobabble or worldly ways. That's why we stick with the verse-by-verse verse pure word of God because it's pure. It's not going to be tainted by the vessel that is giving it out. But Paul says in verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. So Paul is sitting here, if you knew my life, and we will get to it in verse, uh, chapter 11, we're talking about a life that Paul lived and his associates with who were ever with, with Paul. I mean, woo, if you're called to go two by two going out with Paul, you were expecting a wild ride with Paul. Because right from the very beginning of 30 years in the ministry, he was persecuted. He was pressed hard at every side. It didn't matter what he did. It was coming after him on the right side, left side, from above, from below. It did not matter. He was hard-pressed being a Christian. Hard-pressed. But he says, I may be hard-pressed in every side, but yet not crushed. Because God empowers me to do what he's asked me to do. But it didn't start with just being hard-pressed. He says, we are perplexed. We are, it is not just being pressed, we're starting to spin. <laughs> Life is starting to spin, like I'm at a, starting to get out of control here. And if you remember back in uh, chapter 1, chapter he pressed and even said, uh, Paul said, I get to a point where I'm coming to a point of despair, where I'm coming hopeless of what is happening in my life. Paul says, I understand this. I've been hard-pressed. I'm being perplexed, but I'm not in despair. God took him almost right to the very edge of perplexity, of despair, of no hope. What's the purpose in life? That he was right at the edge, but God kept him from going over the edge. Why? Because he trusted in the power in his relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Because there is no other way, my, bro my brothers and sisters. Because if you think you're strong enough, you're going to go to despair. If you lean on your own understanding, you're going to go to despair. If you trust in a world system or a philosophy or any other than what the word of God says, you're going to go to despair, hopelessness. And that's why we see suicidal tendencies or suicide itself going throughout our teenage years and into adulthood. Because they have no hope in Jesus Christ. They put their hope in a job. They put a hope in a system. They put a hope in a parent. They put a hope in all kinds of people and systems and, and even in themselves. And they've come to the end and they now find themselves into despair. Because they've been so hard pressed, so perplexed, then persecuted. Now people are actually persecuting, threatening your life. But Paul says, even though I was persecuted but not forsaken. I was never abandoned by my God. I'm never abandoned by my God. Jesus will always be with me. And he even said, struck down, but not destroyed. Paul understood that. He was, un he was struck down. Remember, he received many stripes, many lashes to the ripping of his skin with those lashes. He, he's been in three prisons. He was beaten multiple times. He was stoned, shipwrecked three times. Everywhere God was taking him, it was, it was just nothing but hard-pressed, persecution, edge of despair, and struck down. It didn't matter if he went into his, with his own countrymen. He got they came against him. It didn't matter if he went to the Gentiles, he was coming against him. He even went to, to the cities. It didn't matter what city he was still come against him. Wilderness. He went into the wilderness and still was persecuted and going against. He even saw perils in the sea. He even had false teachers come against him. Weariness, toil, naked, cold. You name the condition, Paul went through it all. And how did he make it through it all? Because he kept his mind clearly focused on the one who, shared, who showed mercy and grace to him. He kept his eyes on Jesus. And he says, I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior. It's only a matter of time. If it's not now, it will be. So he understood what it means to go through hard times through your week or through that day. But even though he went through all this, we would never, you and I, some of you, will never even understand the level of what Paul went through. Physically, mentally and challenged spiritually none of us but take heart of what our brother's saying here the holy spirit used paul to write this and says i was pressed hard but yet i was not crushed i was perplexed but i was not in despair 
I was persecuted, but I was not abandoned. I was not forsaken. I was even struck down, but I was not destroyed. Because God is in control of my life and not man. Remember that when people come against you. God is in control of your life, not man. Verse 10, always caring about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So we see here uh, that Paul says, we're going to carry out what God's called us to do. We're going to go through all this suffering, this body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. We're going to go through this suffering, that life that of Jesus he suffered. We're going to go through that suffering. But it's going to manifest in our body a resurrected body. We're going to go through the suffering, but our bodies will be resurrected. We're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to be with him for eternity. This is just temporary. This is, this is, this is it. This is what Paul understood. Paul lived it. He understood it. And now he's telling Corinthians, what you're dealing with, what you're going through, I have lived it. I'm going through it because God is going to bring me through this suffering. But I have the eternal hope. Verse 11, for we who live are always delivered to the death of, of Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. I'm, I'm dying of myself. I'll continue to die for myself because I need to do what God's called me to do, and that's continue to share the gospel with you. Continue to sacrifice for your life. And if I continue to do what God's called me to do, we see in verse 12, life, you might come to a point where you will have a new life. You will accept Jesus Christ. You will learn. You will grow in this new life. And it is all worth it, Paul says. If I have to go through it and die daily on myself for you to have a life, I'm willing to do it. That's what a minister does. That's what a pastor does. Is continue to die of self, to live so that they can share the truth so that you can have life. Continue to share the good news. And Paul understood it, and he was committed to that because that's what God called him to do. In verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. He's pulling out there that one little verse out of Psalm 116.10. says, I believed, I believe in Jesus Christ, and because of that relationship, because of my belief, I will speak the truth. That's a very simple. I love the simplicity of Paul. I believe who he is, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to tell people about it. And it's as simple as that. Because if I keep doing that, eventually the light will shine and they will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Knowing, verse 14, that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. He's saying there, knowing that the Holy Spirit, he who raised the Lord up, the Lord Jesus up, will also raise us up. We have eternal hope. 
we know that he's coming back. And Paul's saying, I know, me and my cohorts know that God is coming back for us and he's going to raise us up because the power that raised Jesus up is the same power the Holy Spirit's going to raise me up. And you, Corinthians, you believing Corinthians, you too will be raised up by that same power of the Holy Spirit. For all these, all things are for your sakes. All that we're saying, all that we're doing is for your sakes there, believers in Corinth. That grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. You can go back in Romans 8, 28 and see that same theme from Paul saying, if we just everything we're doing is just for your sake. It's not for us personal gain. We're not gaining anything from this. We're just, we'll get eternal glory, we'll get eternal rewards. But what we're doing right now, what you're seeing, is just, is for your sake. We'll continue to teach you the word, continue to pour into your life, continue to help you. And as it does, may that bring thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Not don't give me glory, don't give me thanksgiving. And Paul say, it should all go to the glory of God. And then he wraps it up here with these last three verses. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Do not lose heart in your ministry. Moms, do not lose heart. Keep sharing the gospel with your children. Do not lose heart. Grandmas and grandpas, do not lose heart sharing with your grandchildren the gospel and who Jesus Christ is. Let them see Jesus working in in and through your life. Let the neighbors see you. Let your coworkers know. But do not lose heart. Do not give up. Do not quit. That's what he's saying. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He was like, oh, yes, you can look at me. Paul must have been the most crippled, you know, bandaged up, bruised up. Barely, people don't realize how bad he was beaten and broken with stones, imprisoned and tortured. And he physically must have been looked terrible. You think, I'm sitting here going, I, th- I, have, I have a leg problem today. I don't know what's going on with my leg. But in comparison to what Paul's saying, yeah, the outward man is perishing. These tents are wearing out. It doesn't matter because the inward Man is being renewed day by day. I'm getting younger and younger inside. But the outside is just going to fade. I want to get a new tent anyway. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a new body anyway. God says it's all about the inner person anyway. It's the inner man that he works on. He's going to give you a new tent when you get up, a new body when you get up to heaven anyway. But Paul knew that. I'm not losing heart. Yeah, my body's beaten up. It looks nasty and terrible. It doesn't matter. What matters is my inner man is being renewed day by day. And I rejoice and am glad in that. For our, for our light affliction, which is but a, for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. All the beatings, all the shipwrecks, all the prisons, all the persecution, all the the people slandering his name, belittling him, and all the things. He says, 
That's just light affliction. Now you and I, getting a little hangnail seems like it's going to be the end of the day for some of you guys. And you think it's not light affliction. Like, honey, take care of this. But Paul looks at it and says, this is light affliction. Compared to what? Compared to what heaven is going to be like. If I have to go through this kind of torture, because that is what God's plan is for my life, it's only temporary light affliction because I'm going to be in the presence of God and all that goes away. As we worship today, no more, there's no going to be no more tears. There's no going to be more... No more shame. There's, no more, there's nothing. It's all going to be new. And Paul understood it. Because God is working in us a far more. Get that? Not just eternal glory. Not just eternal. But it's exceeding eternal glory. But even more exceeding eternal glory. No, far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. That's what we have to look forward to. So whatever you're dealing with today, whatever affliction, whatever hard pressing, whatever persecution, whatever despair you find you're on the edge of, just understand what Paul is telling you. Your relationship with Jesus is just is a reminder that he's got a whole new place for you to go. And it's just it's only a matter of time he's taking us home. That these things that are going on in your life is just temporary. It's light affliction compared to what God has in store for you. While we do not look at the things which are seen. I think this is one of the most relied upon verse in our Christian walk. While we do not look at the things which are seen. The things that we see, we just know, we can see it, we can feel it, we can touch it. But at the things which are not seen, that's the spiritual. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We'll wrap it here. I know and recognize whatever you're in right now, whatever situation, whatever hard-pressed, despairing, crushing feeling, Abandoned feeling, struck down, kind of beaten down, kind of feeling. It is light affliction compared to what God is going to do and use that in your life. You're a little more cracked because of it, you're a little bit more fragile vessel, but in the potter's hands, he can use every crack and every chip and every bruise for his glory and for his purpose that is going to be greatly rewarded if you would just trust by faith do when you keep you and I keep our eyes on the things that we see 
and the things that we know and the circumstances. That's why in Proverbs it says, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. When you're being directed by God and you, he's allowed you to go through these circumstances and issues and persecutions and stuff, just know that it's God is using that for your life to refine you. But if you're on the path of sin and you're out there doing your own thing and living contrary to the word of God and you're getting persecuted and hard-pressed and everything else, you brought that on your own. You know that, right? But God can come alongside and use that for his glory too. If you will repent of your sin, turn your life to Jesus Christ, he will come into your life and he will forgive you and give you eternal hope. And then he can use that cracked pot of yours for his glory and purpose. But we do not put our feelings and things based on the circumstances. Situations at hand. We must understand and see things from God's perspective, which is a spiritual perspective. And how God is going to empower you and use the, you wherever he's directing you for that moment or that situation at hand. That's why Paul says, but all things which are not seen, for things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are all going to be used for eternity. Do you believe that? Father, again, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word.